we're live hello everybody sandra man here and welcome to vino and chat with sandra man and friends tonight we have the amazing angie barrett collard collard all the way over the ditch from new zealand and tonight's topic is an amazing topic but before we get into that i'm going to introduce you and tell you a little bit more about who angie is so angie's angie lives in sunny i think uh manawatu if that's how you pronounce it in new zealand i'm not going any further than that because i can't pronounce names real well she lives with her three-year-old sharpie and ragdoll cat and she's got three beautiful grandkids and a recent widow she's currently renovating her home and loves volunteering for and coordinating a grief support program this program supports and empowers those who have experienced loss through separation divorce or death while we are not an exclusive women's only program it's mainly is with women she's passionate about empowering women from all walks of life to find their new normal and stand in their power. And Angie is just like me and says, this starts with you. So as you know, the, the Vino and Chat is all about having amazing chats with amazing women with stories to share and help empower you out there, the viewers, to step into your power and be the best version of yourself. So without any ado, I'm going to let Angie take over and say hello. Good evening. Kia ora for those that are here in New Zealand. And hi, I'm Angie. And yes, I do live in the sunny Manawatu. And I do have a Sharpay and she's a wool coat Sharpay. So she has fur. She's not just your regular little wrinkle puppy. And she's a bit of a hard case, so you might hear her barking outside because she's the neighbourhood watch. <laughs> yes, I have one of them too. So, <laughs> but before we get into tonight's show, Angie, I'm going to ask you. I've got one question for you off the cuff. What's your favourite food? Oh gosh, my favourite food. Dessert. What sort of, <laughs> what sort of dessert? Or <laughs> pavlova. Pavlova. I love pavlova. Ice cream. Um, I'm also a bit of a salad girl. I really enjoy salads, especially in the heat we're having at the moment. And I know you Australians will laugh at me when I say it's 32 degrees here, which is probably nothing for you, but that's quite warm for us. Um, what else? Like roasts. I'm still a little bit of a meat eater. I haven't taken the vegetarian route yet, but I only eat small amounts of meat. I'm not a big meat eater. Beautiful. It doesn't matter what you eat. It's, it's all it's all choice at the end of the day. It's all choice and what we feel is best um, for our body. And those that are watching tonight, I'd just like to give Angie a big pat on the back because this is the first time she's done a live. She's been on calls with me because um, I've worked, Angie and I have worked together, uh, but she's never put herself out there before. So a massive pat on the back for you, Angie, for stepping up and stepping outside your comfort zone to help empower our viewers and share your story. Thank you. So tonight, you you know, our show is all about the new normal. And before we start, would you just like to share with um, your journey? Because it, it's all about 
for you, it's all about your status. Your, um, and it's not um, that you're a doctor or anything like that. It's your personal status, your journey from a single to divorce, grief, widowed, all of that. What has been, give us some background. Right, some background to that. Um, working with the group I work with, um, our support group for grief, and it's with uh, people who are widowed, separated or divorced, they all find um, their status in their communities and their families and their everyday life, day-to-day -day life, changes with those changes that come about because of those situations. And I've basically been all of those. I've been married separated, divorced, and now widowed. So I have had quite a few status changes. And it's those changes when we're actually in them that can create a lot of angst, anxiety, um, sadness, and false expectations of self, really. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important, and I'm really looking forward to discussing this um, topic with you tonight because we do go through that. I mean, I haven't I haven't gone through a death of a partner, but I've certainly gone through a divorce, and it is like grief, it, it, except that the person is he's still alive, so you still have to grieve, and there's still expectations around self and, and all of that. And I know that when you and I first met, when we first connected, that you were still grieving your husband and now to see you now to where you were to where you are now is you know it's, it's just amazing that you know you've come out the other side of it but more importantly you've taken those steps to 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 work through that slowly because we didn't rush it we worked through it on on where how you wanted to do it you know just when you were ready one once one step at a time and um that's what it, it is basically when we do change um, status of our life that it is one step at a time, one day at a time. How do I feel today? What's my new normal today? Yeah, exactly. And I find that a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. They don't, they don't quite understand that how you feel will change from moment to moment. You might wake up in the morning and feel, oh, what a fabulous day, I'm on top of the world. And then two hours later, crying don't want to go outside don't want to do anything don't want to see anybody and and that's how grief works it's a very large continuum and you need to find yourself you need to know where you are on that continuum so that you can look to make improvements for you to move forward and that's quite tricky for some people now um one of the questions that you sent forward that um for me to ask is what grief are you, or not what grief, sorry, what guilt are you carrying, um, if any, around these different status have, that you've had from um, single to divorced to separated to um, being a widow, single mum, all that sort of stuff? I think when you go through the grief process, there is an amount of guilt attached to some of that because you... If your husband dies, like mine did, um, through cancer, he died. I survived. There's that whole grief thing around, hey, I made it and he didn't. There's the grief of being 
separated from when you're separated and going through a divorce you may have formed very loving long-lasting relationships with that other person's family and when you split you lose those people they don't often stay with the person who their their family member is no longer married to or involved with and it makes it really tricky when you're out shopping and those sorts of things because you might bump into them and you might see them and you might think oh my god you're just horrible and I hate you um, and look at you so happy with your new partner and then you get home and you sit down and you think about it and then you feel a bit guilty about feeling like that because it's actually not a reflection on them it's a reflection on you it's not about them it's about you and unless you sit down and do some of that healing work and look at what you're doing and where you're coming from it can come back on you when you least expect it so angie i'm just going to dive in and just hone in on something that you just said then is that when they see you happy with a new partner that you feel guilty when you worked on it what was what was do you know what was if you only if you wish to share what was sitting behind it where, where in self what was that um self-belief um i guess it's that self-belief of i don't deserve to be happy and how dare they be happy if it's them out there and you happen to catch them when you're out and they're out being happy with a new partner and that guilt kicks in about well you start the bargaining process then because you go through the what if I'd done this and what if I'd done that if I only I for only I hadn't and that could be guilt or it could be the bargaining the fine line there I like that I've never heard that there that bargaining you know the I, I, I think I might. You don't mind if I swipe that, do you? No, take whatever you like. That's what we're all about. <laughs> so, um, so with the bargaining, is that that's just your mind games? That's for, for people that would use that maybe don't understand that. That's just your shadow. That's just your inner your inner critic. It is, and it's you. It's you trying to make yourself feel better, or trying to look at ways for you to cope so the bargaining is um i know when my husband was sick i did a lot of bargaining with god and i said to god please please don't take him just one more day just one more day i'll do this i'll do that i can be better i'll you know i'll shift the sun and the moon and the stars just don't take him and that's bargaining now that wasn't guilt that was just hopelessness really hopelessness about losing losing somebody i really loved and cared about and looking to because you feel powerless looking to someone who is a greater power to try and help you to get over that hurdle or to help make them stay when you know deep in your heart that they're not going to that they have to go because yeah. it's what they need to do so um I think we may have covered this one, but it's um, who does this relate to? At the start, when you when you're looking at these things and you are in the bargaining in that bargaining trap, I call it a trap because you are looking 
to bargain with people you're not taking responsibility for anything yourself you're wanting to move and shift the responsibility from you to anybody else and it might be the person who's left it may be as i said a higher power and it may be that you take it out on the cat and the dog but at the end of the day it really does rest with you because you are the person that's responsible for taking the responsibility for your part in whatever it is you're doing because it's all about you at the end of the day yeah and um it's, it's a big mirror reflection and that and i i, I feel and i I've, I've worked with a few women that have gone through 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 grief and loss of partners and all of them have been very different but most of them have always been it's not their fault or they don't want to fix it they don't know and i don't say they don't want to fix it it's just that they are so deep in grief they are so consumed by it that they can't see outside of that 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 darkness that 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 hurt that pain to um to even put one foot in front of the other yeah that's true and and that saying about clouds have silver linings is quite true because the darkest clouds when you can sit down and work out where you're at and find people who are sounds terrible but who are going through something similar so that you can go oh hey it's not just me or you get the me too moments the aha oh my god i'm okay i'm quite normal this is what yep. other people are going through and i hate to say it but there are times when you might sit there and think wow i'm actually not as bad as that i i empathize with what that person's going through but when i think about it of what I'm going through, it's not that bad, and I'm not at that level. And I mean, the grief takes so many different faces, and there's so many masks, and you've worked with people with masks, Sandra, you really have, and grief helps you to find a whole range of different faces. You have to put on an act for family, you have to put on an act when you go to the supermarket. You have to put on an act when you're talking to other people. You may have to hide how you're feeling from other people because after, let's say, six months, most people are sick of hearing about what you're going through and how unhappy and sad you still are. And there's no timeline with this stuff. There's no timeline for grief. You move through it and you you, you never get over it. You just learn to live with it and you learn to not push it down, but let it go because they've gone. They've moved on. The hardest thing is when you're separated and you're divorced because if you live in a small town, you've still got the opportunity to run into them somewhere. You've still got the opportunity if you're sharing children that you have to interface with them. You have to put on another mask in front of them when you've got the children so that the children don't see you fighting, so that the children don't get dragged into it and aren't used as pawns in the sudden warfare of divorce and separation and all the ugly things that that brings up. 
grief just has so many faces. So, so Angie, going back to the mask, why do you have to put a mask on? Because you know I'm really big on just be yourself. Why? I'm just, I'm just um, curious as to the, the 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 wording or the feeling of you have to put it on. Is is that because we as society um, sort of put that onto people where people don't feel safe? So you put mm -hmm. a mask on. Yeah. With your grief. I mean. Um the actual support group that we have, we say to them when they come in, look, this is unconditional. When you come in here, you can be you, who you honestly are. If you want to sit here and cry for two hours, we've got boxes of tissues, it's not a problem. If you want to sit here and because you've got people around you, once you start to feel a little bit more safer and a bit more secure, if you want to sleep, sleep. Because that's one of the first things that goes when you're in the throes of grief and separation and divorce and those sorts of things. Most people can't sleep or they sleep all the time because they're depressed. But the masks are a coping mechanism, I think, for a lot of people when they first start out and find themselves in this situation because it's unknown you're you're facing things you no one has ever prepared you for not when you lose um a pet it's still loss it's still grief when you lose a close family member it's still loss and it's still grief but when you lose a life partner you don't lose just the person you actually lose all those dreams and hopes and long-term plans that you had together because there's no together now there's just a you you lose as i said before you lose members of the other person's family if it's a divorce when um your partner dies you actually do get to keep those people because they stay in your life because you're a link for the, for each other to that person who's passed on when you're um in that situation and you're finding yourself facing suddenly aloneness it changes your titles which is what we're talking about your status changes you're no longer a missus anybody you're now a miss or a miss um thank goodness in this day and age widow doesn't conjure up the same images that it used to back in the 50s and the 60s and 70s even um, and now if you're a solo mother those connotations are not there anymore either now you're a solo you're, you're a, a parent and yeah it doesn't really matter whether there's two of you or three of you or one of you these days which is lovely um, but going from single when you're just yourself and you have your own identity and you're going to work and you're earning money and you have your own dreams and you meet somebody wonderful and you plan a new life and then suddenly it doesn't work out so you might lose half of your home half of your savings you might lose three quarters of your possessions and you lose 50 percent of your children because they now have to spend half their time with the other partner and all those things 
hopes, plans, dreams, gone. Yeah. Your new normal starts with you being normal <laughs> and coming to grips with what's going on, how do I work within this, where do I fit, is this normal, what's normal, how the hell am I supposed to cope with this crap, <laughs> it's like oh my god and it's so overwhelming and yeah people put on masks, I mean I did. I had to go back to my country town when I was married and ended up separated because of things. <laughs> I go into watch. Um, but I went back to my hometown and I had grown up there. I'd been to school there. We both had. And suddenly it felt like people were talking about me behind my back and I was suddenly the painted lady who was you know and I wasn't I really wasn't because I'm I wasn't and that felt so weird and it was really I was embarrassed I was absolutely embarrassed and then there were the times when I used to go and I lost a lot of weight I must admit I I got down to 55 kgs because I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep my mother was quite sure I was having a mental breakdown I probably was but that's okay um I used to go shopping at the supermarket and stand in the shopping aisles frozen in terror the anxiety attacks were just incredible I couldn't I used to just pretend I was looking at products until I could get my breathing under control until I could um stop thinking that everybody was staring at me and then I was doing something wrong, it was just shopping. We all do it. Yeah, yeah we do. markets are the place that give you the biggest anxiety attacks. It's crazy. Yeah, I know when I uh, I went through my marriage breakup and I mean, I, I, I instigated it, I made the decision to end it. But um, yeah, the roller coaster of emotions that go up and down, what people think because um, especially with divorce is because you have the mask before that you, people think that it's, everything's really good that you're seen in public and whatever. And then when you split up, they're like, what do you, what's, what, what's going on? And there's always sides that people take. And to me, there is no sides. And it's really nobody else's business outside of the people involved in it, in, in what's, what's going on. For me, that's the hardest thing that I found was the gossip the endo-endos, people who I thought were my friends didn't become, you know, they, and, but in hindsight, it's like, great, it, 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 it cleared the rubbish out of the out and it, it's, it's an interesting um, perception of what happens because when you're a single, when you're single or when you've been divorced, you lose a lot of your married friends because they don't, they, a lot of women are so insecure that they don't want you around their husbands. Definitely. And it's 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 quite sad because they think, well, you're you're after a man, but sometimes you don't even want that. You just want to be a part of something, you want to be included and 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 um it, it might have been single for ten years and it's it's quite interesting because you don't get invited to to couple stuff. What's worse is when um male friends and friends husbands think well you've been single for a long time now you must need 
some sexual healing yeah and they offer to come and you know you'll be right what's the last thing you want and they just a lot of people they just don't get it until they've been through it themselves they have got no idea and i mean i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy it's really not not the loveliest thing to have to do but i think if you can find the right support group and you've got really good mates that don't mind you harping on about how much you miss your husband or what what kind of a rat your last husband was if it was a divorce and it wasn't amicable um power to you and to them because it's it's a really good solid friend that will stand with you while you're going through finding your new normal it really is and angie what was the difference between for you between the divorce and being a widow and and, and the and the death of your of your husband um the emotions in there or um emotions with both um age i think has made a hell of a difference i'm a lot older and wiser and the loss of my first marriage as i said left me physically sick and that was because i didn't take my child with me when i left we decided between us that um the things we wanted out of life for children he was in a better financial and stable situation to stay with my ex-husband who could afford housekeepers and all that sort of thing um rather than coming and living with me in a city and me either being on the DPB or oh, domestic purposes benefit for those yeah. who don't know what that is um or me going back to work and him being in childcare with strangers all day um so not only did I lose my marriage but I also lost my child through this and so if I compare the pain of the two, they're pretty similar because it was like losing a child to a death yeah. because he was very little at that stage. And um, what's similar? Yeah, and, and with with that, what, what you've just shared, and we, we didn't even discuss it. That's just come. That's just come up. Mm. What emotions and what belief systems? did you hang on to around that and how did they affect you because i know you've got i know that you don't have them now because you've, you've you've done the work but what 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 were you hanging on to and what were you were you the emotions that you felt and the stigma that you put on yourself or the the the, the negative talk that you told yourself when i was first divorced yes going through the separation um if I think back, I would have to probably say I, I felt like I wasn't, a, although intellectually I knew what I'd done was right for my child, emotionally um, it felt like I'd lost a limb. I felt like half of my body had been cut off. Um, I felt a, a lot worthless, which I think is probably why the anxiety attacks came in at the supermarket and those sorts of things. I remember going to work in the mornings and and 
catching a train and a bus and walking and walking up the streets in the city thinking like what the hell am I doing where's my kid why am I doing this why why aren't I sitting in a flat somewhere but at least I'd have my child I can remember working at work and thinking what an imposter fancy thinking you know you can sit here and do this do this work and get paid money for it and think you know what you're doing who do you think you are so there's that some of that tall poppy stuff coming in there some of that no self-worth um guilt um beating myself up for not being brave enough to stay in a marriage or work at a marriage that wasn't going so well um with the death of my husband there was all that bargaining yeah with myself about if i do this he might get better if if we try this he might get better if we if we sold everything cashed up and went overseas and found some miracle cure somewhere in some country overseas he'll get better um what do we do how do we do it those sorts of things and also trying to be there to support him without showing him my grief and how devastated I was so therefore putting on a few more masks so yeah. cope. Hmm. and so the two are very similar but because I had the husband didn't matter so much I wasn't so he yes I lost all those things we've talked about earlier the dreams that those sorts of things the first husband the small town syndrome the loss of who i thought were good friends too but um you know these things happen people side with people because they too don't know what to do they don't know what to say they don't know how to approach you they don't want to be seen to be taking sides and they don't want their partners to think they're interested in you if they're males um sexually or anything so you do miss out on that stuff yeah i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of stuff around this women uh, how we feel take the the partner the, the partner's feeling that the male partner's feeling that um their wives are going to feel that they're, they're interested in, in you within we as women as a collective there's a lot of that lack of self-love, self-worth, trust and belief in, in oneself that we, 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 we push out into the world, which makes it harder because if we were, all of us were in a place of um, grounded empowerment and didn't hang, have all this baggage that, that 90%, of, I'm going to say it, 99.9% .9 of women carry through from their, their, their childhood in that, it would be a much smoother transition because we would talk about it we would hold that space and not feel threatened exactly. and 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 those that are going through it would wouldn't feel a burden because they're they're not feeling that that energy and you, you always know when somebody doesn't want to um want to be there or hear it or or, or whatever you, you you can pick it a mile away yeah you, you can pick up the vibes you get the vibes and so, what um so what what 
so I've got it up there, responsibility for your breakup. Have you taken? I've taken the responsibility of forgiving myself mostly for the actions that I took at the time. Because when we are faced with those things and we look around at what what resources we have on hand, who's around at the time to help us, where do we go to get help? And when I split with my husband, it was um, early 90s. So there wasn't a, a lot of, you didn't go and see counsellors and those sorts of things back then. It was kind of just starting up with all the marriage guidance counselling and those sorts of things. And the domestic purposes benefit had only been in this country maybe four or five years at that stage at the most. So there weren't there still weren't a lot of avenues for divorced women with children because especially um because I'm part Māori, um, that immediately raises flags for a lot of people, you know. And your ethnicity can also add to your issues and your problems when you're faced with being in those predicaments because it's a lot harder to get rental accommodation or housing or you name it it made it quite tough back then so mm -hmm. my responsibility for the marriage breakup was the fact that i had to take responsibility for my partner yeah and, and it's I, just lost everything perfect perfect answer because that's i bang on about that all the time and you know, take responsibility. You know, we, we all play a part in something. Yeah. And it's we may not be responsible for what happens to us, but we are responsible for healing it. Yeah. And whether uh, it to me, like my marriage broke up and it takes two to make a marriage and it takes two to break a marriage. Yeah. That's my belief because if we... And why I say that, I know there's a lot of women out there in domestic violence situations and that, but if we allow and continue to allow somebody to treat us a certain way, they will do that. And until we stand up, and there's, I know there's so much domestic violence here in Australia at the moment, we try and take make that move. Um, we um, Nothing can change, but these the, our laws in the country have to become stricter and it's an anger management issue. And the more we've got, a, the world is full, full of so much anger, so much narcissism towards women, women also doing it towards men, women doing it to women. It's just not a domestic violence on a man and, and, and woman. It's, it's, it's a community, community thing that as a, as a, as a, as a planet, no matter where we are in the world, it, and it's, 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 it's everywhere. And it comes down to anger, their anger issues. And you know, we we get entrapped in these um in in these relationships and it, it's quite sad. It's very sad because you know women do take responsibility and they do move out, but these men do come after them. And um, what's recently happened here in Australia with the three little children and um whose mother and three little children were burnt to death last week. It's really, really sad by, by an ex-partner. And um, I, I don't know what we can do as a community and, and as women, how we can change that. 
that's a big one. A lot yeah. of the, I think a lot of the time, um, because it's not only men that abuse women, there are women that abuse men. Yeah. So it's not as heard of, but I think it's a lack of power is the reason that the perpetrator does it, is because they feel the, the gratification from exerting that power over that person. And that control. It's an, and, it's, and it's an anger thing, mm -hmm. and it's definitely a power thing. So it's quite tricky when you're going through that because I think the trying to take responsibility for your part in that is quite different. Yeah, that's why I shared that because yeah. I did bang on about, about that. And I think when it comes to this, it's really hard when women will say, well, I haven't had any responsibility in it. You know, they make these choices, but these men still come after them and still do things um, even after they've been separated. Yeah, they do. Which is quite sad. So Which what's quite easier when they're dead because you know where they are 24 7. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what's your current relationship? With, with your ex partner. With my dead husband, that's perfect. You couldn't ask for a better relationship. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, I know where he is 24 7. Um, and he will love me forever. So it's fabulous. With my ex husband, um, I learned pretty quickly that if I wanted to be involved in my child's life, I had to be involved in my child's life. I had to turn up to the things that were joint things because there's only one wedding, one christening for grandchildren, one of everything, one school assembly where they receive a prize for whatever it might be. And I learned quick, I had to go and do those things for me, not for the relationship, not for anybody else, but for me, because I didn't want to miss out on those things. And I didn't want to be the missing parent. And through those things, my, ex, my first husband, my first husband and I, attend a lot of family gatherings together not together at the same at the same venue at the same event and we're amicable we say hi how are you isn't it a lovely day oh the weather's been terrible and move on nobody's saying you have to be bosom buddies but when you've got grandchildren around and you've got children around what you you are the people they look to to gauge what's going on how to behave in the future what sort of a person are you and if they see you sniping and being horrible to each other in public forums the only thing that looks bad about or looks who looks bad is you it's not the other party and it's not the people that are around. You end up ruining it for everybody. So you better to, I hate to say it, slip on a mask. <laughs> <laughs> While you're there, 
a nice, friendly, chill demeanour. Go and enjoy what you're there for. Don't have a good time. I'm going to change that. I'm going to say if you really want to do that without having to feel you have to put on that mask, deal with your shit around it. Or that. <laughs> Some people can't do that, though. But deal with the shit that you have because you'll forever be wearing that mask and whatever shit you have there, it will just eat away at you and eat away at you and eat away at you. And um, it's it's not fair to yourself you have to put that mask to, to choose to I mean you, you, you're choosing to put that mask on but isn't it better to see an ex um, with nothing but unconditional love and look past what he did or what they or she did and go you know what I'm not going to allow you or or allow myself to be shackled to the, to, to the past. I'm going to say hello. I'm going to be whatever. Um, no mask, and um, just going to stand in my power and be me. Yep. And until you get there, fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> you wear that mask. <laughs> wear your mask. Um, but it won't take long before you actually are doing that, though. Because as long as you can get over that first kind of, because it comes with a lot of um, anxiety and stress and um, guilt, again, and some of that bargaining chucked in there as well, until you're at a point where, and I can say this, I'm at this point, um, I don't even think about, I don't even think about it. It's, it doesn't play a role in my life. If I need to go somewhere and do something that I want to do, I'll just go and do it. I don't care who's there. Yeah, and I'm yeah, it just it just it just freezes freezes up and more importantly it teaches our children that uh, because we are the role models for our children, whether they're adults, whether we leave leave partners when their our kids are small or whether we leave partners when our children are adults, at the end of the day, we're the adult. We're the, we're the parents and we'll always be the parents. He will always be the father and she will always be the mother and you can't change that unless somebody dies. Um, they're still the, but you know, if even then they've still got a mother and a father, nobody can actually replace them. Um, and I think it's sad to see so many people that go through divorce that use their children as bargaining chips and tools. And I've kept a amicable relationship with my ex-husband because we have children. Yes. We have children. Um, and I work through my shit um, to, 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 to get to that. And, and so is he. It wasn't always a bed of roses. But we have children and to make, for us to enjoy, for me to enjoy it and, and him to enjoy it and to share whatever our our children um, deliver or give to us, whether it's especially with Rebecca, um, it's it's um, one of the most critical things to do is to find yourself in that thing where you can. This man has given you this child, or this woman's given you this child, and you share it, and that bond can never be broken. The other important thing is that um, children are entitled to have and love both parents. Yes both parents should play a role in their lives growing up and they should know that they're both 
out of all the angst and the ugliness that they are always loved by both parents and by both extended families and uh, unless the the partner's violent or drugs or you know all those other things that come come but if there's no nothing on the outside um other than you know you, you don't want to put children in a an unsafe position i'm just saying this because i know we'll get people you know <laughs> saying things we're not actually um condoning that um no, not at all. where children should go or or women are responsible for what happened to them in domestic but that, that's that's not where this what we were um what we wanted to try and um get across um tonight so as a widow what's your focus me when thinking of the past thinking ah fond memories and love and unconditional love because i just love him for no reason other than because i do and do you see yourself in another relationship angie <laughs> uh, i joke and i tell people i'm between husbands <laughs> Um, one day yes one day so when i meet the right person yeah so course. would you would you say the most important thing is to find you before you dive into another relationship heal and grieve and go through that process rather than take something or bring somebody into your life that will fill a gap that may not really truly fill that gap um i don't think you should go into a new relationship looking for a person to fill a gap I think you should go into and there shouldn't be any gaps that you need to have filled. You should be wanting, no, I'll rephrase that. I, I'll use some I statements here so that we don't get into trouble with anybody. Um, when I'm ready to go into a new relationship, I won't be looking for that person to feel something i'm missing out on because i'm not missing out on anything i yep. don't need somebody to come in and complete complete me i'm complete how i am i would like someone to come in for some companionship for uh, obviously the romance side of things i would like someone to come in who i could go and share new experiences with and who I can learn some new things from so that yeah. I can hear what I know but also learn from them about what it is they like and what they like to do and how they like to go and do what they like to do because that's a part of being in a relationship is learning about each other and learning to live with each other and learning not to kill each other over who squeezed the toothpaste the wrong way. <laughs> well, that brings us basically to the end of our questions and um, basically to the end of our show. And it's been an absolute pleasure to, um, to spend time with you and chat um, with this because I know this is something that you're passionate about, um, where you work, the women that you help, the men that you help. And it's a very needy service that is needed, just not in New Zealand, but I'm sure there's places here in Australia that um, there's plenty of people doing this this type of work. So um, before we go, for those that are where you are, the area that you live in in New Zealand, where can they find this support? They can find the support online at WSD Capity. 
So it's a W and an S and a D and capiti, K-A-P-I-T-I at gmail.com. Or they can ring me on my mobile, which I won't put out here. No. <laughs> no. Um, they can contact us through the email address, which is what I've just given as well. And we do have a website for WNC. Or they can leave a message here and hang uh, you in there and you will um, you can connect with them through Messenger. Yeah. Awesome. What a, what a um, Rebecca Bowden has got here. Well done, Angie. What an amazing show. So um, <laughs> we have taken you out. I have taken you out of your comfort zone many times. Yes. <laughs> and no doubt there'll be more. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there that there will be more. And for anybody that is in New Zealand that is looking for somewhere to go where you get to to help and support through this, you know, Angie is one of the most for me is the most amazing human being who is who, who shines nothing but unconditional love for everybody that she comes across, and she has the ability and the gentle knack to gently give you a tap on the shoulder and just say, "Hey, try it this way," or move it that way without any judgment um, she does it for me because sometimes Sandra needs that gentle tap on the on the sh on the shoulder or she'll message me and sh she just knows that there isn't something's not not up and she goes um you know I go yeah okay yep got it because I know that from the work that I do that it's the universe just sending my one of my earth angels going hey wake up what are you doing do you know so we all have them. We all have them in, in, in our lives. Like I said, Rebecca and I call Angie our earth angel. She's here in physicality, and I'm sure you do all out there. So listen and be aware of your earth angels that you that you um you do have. And when someone does gently give you a... And it's and you, you can tell the difference because uh, there's no judgment or anything around it. Just I'm just telling you what you do if it's up to you, she'll go. Um, and that's, that's what can create change in your life. So... Always look out for your earth angels. Next week on the show, we have Beck D. Uh, and Beck's going to be talking about um, how she healed depression and anxiety um, without any medication. So we've got another amazing conversation next week with another awesome soul. And to help you all out there step into your power and become an empowered female, but very much grounded through in, in physicality. Talk to you all soon.